Okay. I'm recording full battery load. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Hello, I'm Annette, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome my both my dear friend and the leader of Leadership Women, our president and CEO, Linda Crompton. Linda, thank you for being on my podcast today. Thank you for having me, Annette. Are you uh, are you safe and sound where you are right now? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Yeah. It's kind of crazy times here in first of February of 2021. No, not where any of us thought we would be a year ago, right? No, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute, won't we? Well, Linda, would you please tell the listeners about yourself, uh, some of the positions you've held, and kind of where you've lived? Oh, sure. Um, Okay. Well, it's uh, let's see where to where do I start so that I don't just monopolize. <laughs> That's the thing is, you, the older you get, the longer the stories are of you know <laughs> where you began. Um, so I'm uh, actually English by birth, and then um, my parents emigrated to Canada, and before they actually in between Britain and uh, Canada, we moved to East Africa. So by the time I was ten, I'd lived already on three continents, right, or wow. twelve. So um, so, and I still have British citizenship because uh, I was born there. I'm a, a Canadian citizen and I'm, I have applied for American citizenship. So awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. So, but, um, but your background is, I mean, you've been CEO of some things. You've been involved I have. in I uh, have. banking. Uh, just a brief overview of that. Sure. So my education, mainly I pursued finance and then uh, the links between finance and um, the environment. Um, So most of the early positions that I had were related to that. But I would say that uh, at the same time, I've always had an interest in women's issues. And I, you know, I was involved in that kind of thing right from my very first, uh, first job. So in terms of positions, you asked me what positions I've run. So I was the first uh, female bank president in Canada. Um, and it feels like only yesterday, but uh, <laughs> quite a few years ago. Uh, I also was the, um, I was brought down to the States. I was recruited to run something called IRRC in Washington, D.C., which is Investor Responsibility Research Center, uh, which was very instrumental in uh, providing institutional investors information to uh, help guide them with respect to their investments in South Africa during that time because the apartheid was still in place. I also ran um, uh, then Board Source National Center for Nonprofit boards, again in Washington, D.C. I ran the California chapter for National Association of Corporate Directors, so I've done a fair bit of work with boards. Uh, And then uh, most recently, which was, I guess, five years ago now, uh, appointed uh, President and CEO of Leadership Women here in Texas, as you know. Well, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad, so glad to have you. So you've seen leadership from gender perspective um, throughout your leadership journey. What attracted you to Leadership Women? You know, it seemed like kind of a natural move for me at the time. As I mentioned, I mean, I've really been involved with women's issues um, from the very first days of my career. So when I was working in banking, for example, I noticed that we were, our rate of approval for loans for women was much lower than, unsurprisingly at that time, uh, than that of men. So I started up a special committee to look into that. And I set up a return to work program for women because I could see uh, that it was a huge expense for companies who trained women and then just lose them uh, because they don't see any other alternative than quitting their job when they start a family um, or go back to school. So uh, so I've been involved in those kinds of issues. So when uh, someone sent me the posting for this job and said, please circulate it to your network, I thought, hmm, might just be a network of one. I'm just going to take a look at this. And, <laughs> and the more I looked at it, the more interested I became. And you know, then I got an interview and it kind of went from there. Well, uh, as you know, I I did uh, one of our programs some year, almost 20 years ago. And let's talk about the different programs that Leadership Women offers. Sure. So the idea behind our programming is that we address issues around 
good leadership at every stage of a women's leadership journey, if you like. So uh, the first program that we do is something called Leadership Launch, which is really just a day, one day program. Um, And that is for women who maybe are just in their first job or looking to get their first job or, um, you know, just wanting to understand more about what kind of possibilities are out there? What are other women doing? How do I get to do that? So that's kind of very early stage. And then uh, the next program is Pipeline, which is a day and a half. And that uh, program is, um, so you stay in a facility uh, with us uh, overnight, and that's where you kind of get your first exposure to the mix of um, of what we call our differentiators in, in, in what we do. So that means that we, we do a, a combination of skills development, so you would have some skills training, um, maybe around your communication style or might be around your ambition, you know, where you see yourself going. Um, so it's a combination of skills training. Um, you come across, experience the diversity of the programming that we do. We place a, a very big emphasis on diversity because we're convinced that that's how you learn. You don't learn from meeting and dealing with only people like you that have had the same training that you have, the same exposure to the world that you have. That's not how people learn and develop. So we consciously put together diverse programs. So uh, so you have that. And then you're also exposed to uh, this idea that we have that most people, once they get into a job, at that point, all further development stops in terms of, uh, you know, learning about the rest of the world. So if you're a solicitor, for example, you know, that's kind of what you learn from from that point. So we try and introduce other issues that we consider to be really important uh, for them to have a well-rounded approach to leadership. So that's the pipeline program. Then we have Leadership Texas, which takes place four times during the year. Um, it's a two day, two full days. It's a, sort of a half of a day on a Sunday and then uh, all day Monday and half a day on Tuesday, generally. Sometimes we vary that, but that's the usual format. And that's where we do all those same things that I mentioned for Pipeline. It takes place within Texas. We do two large cities and two smaller cities so that they can get a sense of the incredible diversity within the state of Texas. And then we have Leadership America, which is across the country. That's usually three sessions. uh, And we try and always kind of vary it so that people get a sense of what's happening on the West Coast, the East Coast, and in the middle of the country. And then we have our um, Leadership International program, uh, where, where we give an exposure to what is happening with women, what the issues are elsewhere, outside of the United States. So our most recent one was up in Canada two years ago, and then we've been to Mexico, South Africa, and lots of lots of different places. Uh, and then we're introducing a new program this year, um, which I know you know about, the Leadership Legacy Program, which will be positioned for women who are either retired or thinking about retirement. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> For the listeners who don't know this already, um, I haven't mentioned it, but I'm I'm not only on the board, but I'm chair of the board. And I want to talk about our board a little bit and talk with your background at BoardSource and other organizations you've been involved in boards. Uh, we have a really diverse board. It's a national board, uh, folks from across the U.S. And some of my knew before I came on there and some I didn't, but they've all turned into wonderful friends and and leaders in their own communities, as well as for our organization. Talk about the role of a board and the importance of a strong board and Mm -hmm. active board members. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even more important to, you know, to talk about the importance of a strong board on a, in the, a 501c3, you know, in the in the uh, sort of the service sector, which is what we all are. Um, corporates, we're not making profit. We're uh, we're meeting a public need. So yeah, the the board is really. Um, in my opinion, I, I guess I'm a little bit biased because of the work that I've done with both corporate and nonprofit boards. But really, the board is what kind of keeps it all together. I mean, management, you have to have management. I mean, obviously, they're the ones actually doing that, the day-to-day work. But the board is critical 
both from the um, point of view of, of oversight to make sure that the organization's meeting its commitments and uh, is legally uh, is still in good standing. And uh, But also, much more than that, it's, it's also the kind of f- front face, the, the outward-looking face of the organization. So boards... Um, establish a real tone for, uh, you know, for how an organization is seen. If they're doing a good job, they're uh, acting as kind of ambassadors almost for the organization. Um, and it, they, it's sort of a natural thing to do with in their own circles and, and other organizations that they may be involved in. Um, they talk about this organization and then that, uh, you know, that drives some further interest and gets the, I guess, the influence of the organization out there further. So they're kind of the ambassadors, they're the overseers, they're the, um, you know, the champions for for management. I mean, most, I don't know if I should say most, a lot of 501c3s, um, you know, have a difficult difficult job. I mean, um, you're trying to meet a, a public need or deliver a public service. Very few, unless you're a very, very large organization, which most are not. Um, you know, part of your role is raising funds all the time and you're trying to get this work done and you're trying to hold yourself to a high standard. And so the board plays a really important role in all of that. Great. So when I tell people this past year uh, during the COVID crisis that I'm the chair of a board whose job it is to bring large groups of women together from across either the state or the country, and we both just laugh because that's <laughs> that's certainly been something we haven't been able to do. Um, and I want to get to that pivot in just a minute. I will reflect on my leadership journey through Leadership Women is I did Leadership Texas in 2003. And you're supposed to say best class ever after that. (laughs) Always. Um, I did Leadership America in 2017 when I first got asked to be on the board because I wanted to get that experience. Uh, I'd already done Leadership International, both to India and Mexico. Um, We helped create Leadership Launch in Amarillo because we're so far from the rest of Texas. It kind of made sense for our our young developing uh, women leaders. and. then I participated in Leadership Pipeline as well. And so I can I can testify to not only the camaraderie that, uh, that you get from each other, uh, from your fellow classmates, but also to the exposure to things that you might not think, oh, I'm not going to be interested in that. And that might be the session that you get most intrigued by. And you yeah. can connect with some of the folks that we have present at our at our sessions and contact them later. I mean, you know, I've done that on a number of occasions, but just to, just to be exposed to understand what the Federal Reserve is, to understand, you know, some of the things that we've seen when we go to D.C. or to the border or, you know, even just, you know, I say just to Austin because I'm more familiar <laughs> with Austin. But, but if you've never been to Austin... Even if you've been, you'll see things you haven't seen before. Absolutely. And you'll be exposed to some of the alumni from from those areas, which mm-hmm. I think is wonderful to get that historical perspective. And I'm so excited about our legacy program. So mm-hmm. that's that's gonna be so I can I can vouch for pretty much all the programming that y'all do. So <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> I can. And um so I've been on the board. I guess now I'm in my fourth year. Fourth years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and it's been two years. I'm in my second year as board chair, and I've got a great team with us on the board. But we also have a great team on on your team on the staff. Let's talk uh, talk about those ladies a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we we have we do we have a, a great group here. I mean, they've been with the organization uh, for well, in uh, one case for twelve years. Um, she, you know, she was uh, introduced to it back then, way back then, um, and just loved it, loved the organization, and wanted to see if she could get involved with it, and has stayed ever since. 
So that's a shout out to Heidi right there. That right? is a shout out to Heidi. I mean, she's just, and <laughs> she's, it, it's a perfect match. I mean, she does, she loves what she does and she's, therefore she's excellent at it. I mean, she's really kind of the public face of the organization, if you like. She yeah. hosts all the meetings and, uh, and then of course we have Laura who does all the administration of the organization and that in any 501c3 is a nightmare. <laughs> so, so yes, I, Laura I don't know. Logan. Does Laura a great Logan. job. She does. She's administrator. She's the she's the technology chief technology officer. I say that to her. Well, you know, you know that you're also the chief technology officer. And she <laughs> says, "Do I get more money for that? Do I get?" But I have to say, sorry, no. That's just part of your normal job duties. And then, of course, we have Martha Farmer uh, in Atlanta, who's been with the organization in one capacity or another for, gosh, I don't know. 25 years at least. Um, so that's one thing about this organization is that uh, you're constantly running across people that say, oh, yes, you know, uh, I went through Leadership Texas whenever, you know, 2002 or so, or, or, or earlier. I mean, it's amazing. And, and people still stay linked 1988. To or, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's best class ever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a, uh, then, then of course we have our ambassadors um, that are at the moment mainly concentrated within the state of Texas, but we are looking to, um, we've, we've kind of started to do that, uh, expand our, uh, the ambassador role outside of Texas into the rest of the country. But, you know, like so much else, we kind of had to pedal back a little bit of, of that uh, because of COVID. So. Well, let's talk about that. So last February, it's February 2021, and end of last February, uh, we saw each other. We had our first and only in-person board meeting and first and only in-person Leadership Texas class uh, in Dallas last late February, early March. And I'm so glad we got that done, uh, at least, you know, for both of those things, but personally for me, for the board, so we could you know, bond a little bit, connect a little bit in person. And that was right as COVID was hitting the United States yep. and, yeah. and expanding. And and we have one of our fellow board members. And of course, I, I definitely, before I forget, want to give a shout out to former board chair, uh, Lena Porter, mm-hmm. in whose shoes I cannot fill, <laughs> whose shoes I cannot <laughs> fill, but uh, who helped uh, help carry on the traditions and the the just the sustainability of this organization for so long. Uh, but uh, one of our fellow board members was in Washington State, uh, sitting there in Dallas and getting real-time updates about, you know, the, the growth of the virus and, and Jody Joyce, who runs a healthcare organization up there where the first known case in the U.S. was. So it's been interesting to get her perspective mm-hmm. over this past year on all that. But mm-hmm. but we have board members from from there, from Detroit, from Atlanta, from all over the state of Texas, and uh, really appreciate my fellow board members. So let's talk about that pivot. Mm-hmm. So after after that February Leadership Texas meeting, yep. um, the next month, well, the month of March, pretty much everything shut down. Yeah. And we looked at each other and said, we got to do something else. Uh-huh. So what did, what, how did we carry on an in-person organization that could no longer be in person in right. 2020? Right. Well, and I'm just forever grateful <laughs> that, that, uh, at that first meeting, which was very early March, I think it was the second, third of March, um, that at the end of it, I remember distinctly uh, saying to Heidi and Laura, give me a few minutes at the end of this session because we need to say something about this pandemic. But it was still so new and nobody had a clue what was going on. And everybody said, mm, I don't know, isn't that going to be an awfully negative note to end? the?" And I thought, yeah, it is. But I, I think we have to say something. So at least we... At least we got to do that and just kind of set the stage and say, okay, well, who knows what's happening here? Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, but let's all just be vigilant and, and uh, you know, keep informed, keep following what's going on and so that we can begin to get our arms around what's happening. And of course, as you say, little did we know, that was the last chance we were going to get to do that. So I guess, you know, there are a few benefits to getting older, not 
a lot of benefits, but there are <laughs> there are a few benefits. And one of them is that you've kind of, you know, seen it all, right? Like, not that I've gone through a pandemic before, but um, that you've been in situations um, where it seemed like everything was going like everything was going to fall apart and i can only think about my parents who were in london during that blitz uh, during world war 2 and they i think it forever changed their kind of approach to life because they they kind it kind of really made them understand that what you have today and the way things are today, there's no guarantee that any of that is going to be there tomorrow. And we kind of live as if there is that guarantee and we're really choked up when it isn't, right? (laughs) But of course, the faster we can get over being choked up and annoyed and feeling like, you know, feeling chagrined that this has happened to us and the faster we can adapt to this new reality, then the better off we're going to be. And that's kind of what we did, uh, as you know, at, uh, at Leadership Women. We said, okay, well, you know, the first and foremost, we have to right now and for the foreseeable future, we have to be guided by what they're, what they're telling us is going on and what necessary precautions we need to take. So we adopted that then and we've maintained it. I mean, we have never done anything different. So, um, so really it was kind of a, um, a multi-pronged approach. The first thing we did was reach out to all our hotels with which we had contracts to ask them, okay, what happens now? You know, um, we have the potential of not being able to come to these meetings in person and so that really triggered that whole exercise of finding out you know what what kind of plans we could make uh, and our initial thing was to start postponing things because it became pretty evident pretty quickly that we're not going to be able to meet in person safely uh, for the next little while um, so so that was one thing we did and then um, we pretty quickly realized that you know we've We've started these programs. Well, one of them we had started, the Leadership Texas. And we now, I mean, people have paid money to be part of this class. We've got to find a way of still keeping them together, still giving them some value uh, while they know that there's going to be something uh, in the future. But right now, what are they, what are they going to, how are they going to kind of uh, benefit from being a part of the organization? And so we began to learn how to do virtual programming, like most of the rest of this country um, and the world, <laughs> right? Um, and so we just started working on that. And thank goodness for, again, for Laura and being able to figure out kind of how to use Zoom and, and the importance of regular communication. And, um, and then I guess the third thing we did was just to say, all right, clearly we want to survive through this. So the virtual programming is one way that one thing that's going to help us do that. But what we ideally also want to do is come out even stronger at the end of this than we were when we went into it. And that was what really informed our kind of plans for communication with all the classes, our invitations to them to participate. We held special virtual uh, you know, Zoom programs for people to just talk about what was going on with them with with the pandemic and how they were dealing with problems and um and then that also kind of then prompted people to volunteer to help other people that where they could be of assistance and so we really saw a um, expansion if you like of our role as facilitators networkers um the whole underlying what what underpins our whole organization which is that women are stronger together women want to communicate to each other they they take strength from that that they get rid of frustration that way. Um, And so we wanted to facilitate that both with all the women that have been members and stayed connected to us, but also with our new classes. So I I think we, I I think it's safe to say, I mean, obviously we're still, you know, this is still happening and still unfolding and we haven't resumed in-person programming yet, but, um, but I feel as though um, we are very much in contact with people and connected with people um, and we get, you know, we get a variety, just like in any on any other issue, you get a variety of, of responses and, and and opinions and attitudes. So some people um, really feel like they will not feel comfortable doing anything this year. They can't foresee doing anything this year. Um, I wouldn't say that's the majority of our uh, of our women. Um, most of our women are taking a kind of a wait and see approach, and they they're saying, "All right, let's see what happens with the vaccine." 
It's already starting to bend the curve. Is that going to be permanent or not? Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of taking a wait and see attitude as are some companies, you know, um, others are saying they just don't see that it, there's going to be travel this year, but, um, but others are entertaining it. Um, and certainly the hospitality industry has done some really interesting surveys worldwide and they reflect that kind of diversity of view. Um, it's a minority that say they would not consider doing anything, under any circumstances for this year. And the rest is split between different groups saying, well, maybe, maybe, depends. Um, so, And then there are others who can't wait to oh, do something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're signing up new people, not just the class that we had last year. We have new, uh, new applicants now in both Leadership America and Leadership Texas that are saying, boy, we know you're not going to do this until it's safe to do it. But as soon as it is, I want to be part of it. So let's talk about those opportunities. If one of the listeners who maybe wasn't familiar with us or had been on the fence about uh, applying to participate in Leadership Texas or Leadership America this year, and then we'll get into pipeline and summit opportunities as well. But so Leadership Texas and Leadership America classes still have openings in them. They do. They do. Now, we've pushed the deadline. Normally, that registration deadline closes, you know, by the end of the previous year because people have made their decisions and they've uh, and they've registered. This year, we've pushed it out in acknowledgement of the uncertainty, right? So, we'll continue to take registrations until we are full. So, we have an absolute stop at, for example, 25 registrations registrations for Leadership America. We've already got just over half of that now. Um, and of course, that class will then be melded with the 2020 class. And the reason that we're so um, absolute on the numbers, you know, often we can add a person pretty easily. But this year, of course, we're working with the hotels to ensure that when we do get together, uh, regardless of the vaccine or anything else, that uh, once it is deemed to be safe to gather in groups like this, um, the hotels have very specific um, uh, regulations that they're following. So they insist that these rooms are all like ballrooms that would normally take four times the number of people. Um, the, the tables are all very spread out and they've got very specific regulations. So in order to, you know, not have too many people, then we can safely accommodate. We've put, uh, we've put a um, a limit on the number that we will accept. But, but for now, we're still taking a few more. And where is Leadership Texas going this year? So this year we're going to three destinations, not the normal four, um, because of the time, you know, having to start later in the year. Um, so we're going to three, uh, three spots, Corpus Christi, uh, and San Antonio, and Tyler. Those are the three the pl three places we'll be visiting in Texas. Great. And what about Leadership America? Leadership America, we are uh, meeting in when again when it's safe to do so in Atlanta, in uh, Los Angeles, and in Washington D.C. at the end of the year. And let me just talk about the programming a little bit, uh, which I'll do such an excellent job of of developing and and preparing for us. Uh, it's it's not just like if you go to Tyler. It's not just about Tyler. It's about issues. It's about, I mean, almost global issues, usually. Mm -hmm. um, and and maybe how that interfaces there, uh, you know. So it, it gives you a perspective, maybe from the rural community, of how climate change is impacting you or the challenges of education or whatever. Um, so we're, we're pretty much issues-based. We are. We are. So you put it very well. I mean, the reason why we go to places like Tyler, smaller communities, um, is because often if people are working and live in big cities, they have not much of an understanding about other parts of their state or their country. And, um, you know, we believe that ultimately to be a good leader, um, you can't live in that bubble. You have to know what's going on uh, in, in the rest of the, the rest of the state and the rest of the country. So um, what they come across, what they're exposed to there, um, say taking Tyler as an example or, um, or Corpus Christi, um, they are both seeing, you know, the specifics of the issues that affect that 
that particular town or city, but they're also seeing the issues that that city stands as a representative as, you know, of a rural community or communities that are on that coast, right? Uh, What do they deal with? How do they deal with them? Um, Because many cities have, you know, have issues in common. Many rural centers have issues in common. So they kind of serve as a representative. And then and then we do, you know, we, are, we have a um, cultural and an arts piece to things as well. So we often introduce them to, you know, what are the, what are the events that are local, that are popular, that everybody goes to, and they get to experience that if they can. And uh, if there is a, an arts or a cultural facility, or as in the case of Corpus Christi, they've got a brand new, very impressive aquarium. So we have arranged for, you know, private visits there. And um, so so we're, we consider that all part of the experience of being uh, well-rounded as a leader. And did we talk about where Leadership America is going? We did. Okay. Okay. So, um, so Leadership America, one of my memories was the behind-the-scenes tour of the nation's uh, capital. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right now, that's a very important memory and, you know, memory bank that I've, you know, mm-hmm. can tap into and understand some of the recent happenings. Yeah. And speaking of recent happenings, let's go back to 2020 and let's talk about some important issues that besides COVID that happened in 2020 and how leadership of uh, women chose to address those. That was after the, the, the killings of George Floyd and so many others, Brianna Taylor and and the rest, um, and we chose not to stay silent on the uh, on the concerns and right. the demonstrations right. and the and just the umbrage and 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 angst in in our world. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, sure. So again, that kind of you know, um, ties into the earlier point that we made that, you know, part of our value system here at Leadership Women is that, you know, education is very important. I mean, it's critically important, but it's not the whole story because a missing piece from that is self-awareness, right? So it's understanding the water that you swim in Um, because without that awareness, people, uh, people don't, they don't necessarily see themselves either as an active part of the problem or an active part of the solution. So, so that's, we try and, you know, we're trying to introduce them to issues and we're mixing that up with um, courses and speakers that talk about issues uh, that pertain to the individual understanding yourself, becoming more self-aware. And so when it came to that uh, huge um, set of events and, and then ultimately, you know, the Black Lives Matter marches and protests and um, what we did, I mean, a significant percentage of, uh, of our classes are African-American women as you know. Um, So we chose to uh, sponsor and deliver uh, a series of uh, panel conversations, individual perspective conversations um, on addressing the issue of racism. So again, as you know, a number of our board members participated in that. um, And and those individual modules ran the gamut from um, a kind of what is what's my individual take on what's happening? To if it's pe- if it was people that are working um, in that area in terms of uh, universities, they're on the educational front. What have they learnt? What do they know? What has to happen um, from people just experiencing, uh, you know, experiencing the horror of racism their whole life and what they feel that has done uh, to them? To people talking about what the opportunity opportunities are. I mean, we had a session, as you know, talking about, you know, how to be an ally um, and um, and what that means. And so we just thought, you know, you can't, again, we say to women, you can't live in a bubble. So we as an organization can't live in a bubble and, and pretend this isn't happening or that it doesn't have anything to do with us. And that was our, from the evaluations that we received, that was the most well-attended uh, and highly rated series uh, that we did last year. And that was a series, I believe, of nine nine sessions. Nine models, and, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and those are available on our website. Yeah. Uh, the first four are available to anyone. Right. And I believe uh, after that, member, it's only. So members only. Have, 
That's right. We do have a membership for yes. for current classes and alumni yes. to participate. Yes. Uh, but those are excellent, an excellent series, and I'd really give a shout out to the those folks who presented at those and for the listeners to go find those. I'll put links in the show notes here as well. Great. And, uh, you know, go go experience some of those conversations because they're, they're pretty uh, special and definitely important. Another thing we did in 2020 was we had planned to do a national summit in Atlanta. And of course that fell through. And, you know, unless you're behind the scenes on some of this stuff, you don't realize how detailed the organizing those kind of things are yeah. and how you have to wait till the hotels make a decision and blah, blah, blah. But uh, y'all did an excellent job, but we decided to still participate and offer our community of women leaders and folks who had never participated before uh, a way to join us at a virtual summit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we spent parts of a day, and I loved it when Heidi got on the bus and we would go across the map to (laughs) kind of like the old airplane thing yeah, Yeah. to the next place. That's right. So uh, we had several hundred women participate. I can't remember. We we did. We did. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it was a combination of things. We tried to – that was obviously – that, you know, bus trip was obviously um, something that you would normally not be doing at that kind of an event. But it was our way of making it clear, you know, where the different perspectives were coming from, that we were crisscrossing the country and Uh big centers and small centers. And it was a combination of um, individual speakers. So we had uh, Liv. Tories, if you recall, who was at our first in-person summit. Oh, yeah. She was fabulous. Right? I love the her. Head of the Nobel Peace Center in Oslo. And she was she was able to join us again. And uh, and then we had individuals in those different centers that we went to on the bus. And then we had panels, uh, you know, talking about different issues uh, where they were. And uh, so it was uh, it was a real mix. And again, we like to do that, right? We, we think it keeps it interesting and uh, is to have a, a variety of uh, types of topics and and uh, manners of presentation. So it was a very popular day. We got very, very high marks for it. So Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I just appreciate the flexibility and in being able to pivot at such a, you know, monumental issue and or monumental time as this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I, I I often think it's kind of ironic. Lots of people after that event said complimented me, you know, and said, my goodness, this was wonderful that you still were able to put this on, even though you couldn't do it in person. And, you know, you did such a great job of this. And I, I just, you know, I just felt too guilty to keep accepting the accolades. And I, I said, you know, really the person that we have to thank is, you know, both Heidi and Laura. I mean, Laura with the technology front, I mean, she made it all work. And, and and as you say, putting on these kinds of meetings uh, in person are hard enough, but putting them on in, uh, you know, in this era of trying to meld pre-recorded sessions, because some people can only do it that way, and others are live, and then we had the whole bus trip. And um, so doing all that was quite quite an achievement. And, uh, you know, thank goodness for, for the staff who, uh, who just kind of got into it and made it all happen. So Well, uh, both at, at even the summit, but also at the Addressing Racism series, mm-hmm. uh, Martha Farmer was right there. She oh, was... Yeah you know, Zooming with us and mm-hmm. shout out to you, Martha, you know, for, for your connect, your connections and pulling in some wonderful uh, speakers and presenters, yeah. not, not just this past year, but over all the time you've been involved in both Leadership Texas and Leadership America. And, you know, I, I, I benefited from that in Leadership America as well and got to be friends with Martha. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, and, and we're all ages and all, you know, colors and all backgrounds. And I I love that. And I think that's important uh, for our communities. For I think that's important for women. I think that's important for everyone to to learn from others, to learn from so many different uh, backgrounds and and such. And and that's, that's another reason I love leadership women. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, since my podcast is on education and Ed on education, this to me is is certainly education. It's lifelong learning. Yeah. And that's why I'm willing to spend time and energies, uh, you know, being being involved in trying to grow this organization. Um, moving forward, besides Leadership Texas and Leadership America, what else do we have this year? Well, we have a pipeline. We're, we're planning at least two pipeline programs. So that's the day and a half uh, in-person program. Um, so we're we're presuming that we're going to be able to go ahead and do those in person. Oh. Um, yeah. And I've had a lot of interest from companies saying that they've got, you know, what they often do, what corporations often do is they kind of meld their own um, leadership development uh, program that, that they may have with ours. So they may have women that they've identified as high potential or, um, you know, in their own pipeline uh, for advancement. And then they want to give them not just training from within their organization, but they want them to meet other women. They want them to be part of a big, you know, professional women's network. Um, and they want them to uh, hear about some other issues and, uh, and organizations other than just their own. So they typically uh, send women, and I've heard so far from, I guess, four corporations at least that have said they definitely will send women if they're able to, if we're, you know, in that kind of place. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So last year and this year, I've been kind of Really interesting times. Yeah, haven't they though? <laughs> and and I'm sure from your, you know, Canadian and British perspective, America has been a very interesting um, crucible to watch uh, yeah. oil. And uh, one of the things that has happened this year is the first female vice president was uh, in, put in office. Uh, yes, Kamala Harris. And so, talk about the importance of women being the leaders we need to be, to step up and be leaders, to not just sit back and think it's somebody else's job. Okay. Well, Um, yeah, you may have to, you know, cut me off on this because I mean, obviously this is a passion of mine, right? Um, And that's why this, I love being part of this organization and having the opportunity to lead it. Um, There is to start with just the evidence, I mean, there is ample evidence now. And I think about the most recent uh, speaker that we had last year that was speaking, that spoke on this issue, that addressed this issue. She's got a book out, Valerie Hudson, um, talked about the irrefutable uh, evidence that there is that the more women leaders, the more that women have freedoms and rights to, you know, to fulfill their own ambitions uh, in terms of leadership, the better, the the healthier the economies of those countries, right? And there's ample evidence to to suggest that that it's just good for everybody, right, to have more women leaders. Um, leaving aside the most obvious point, which is that women are half the population, right? So, there are times, there have been times when I, I, I sort of have this momentary uh, feeling of, um, I don't know, disappointment or disillusionment where, because I remember when I was first, um, uh, you know, going through the leadership ranks back in the 80s. And those were times when there was still a very strong sense that women should be really at home. That was the role for women. Um, And so attitudes varied. I was in the financial sector, which has typically not been kind to women. And so attitudes varied from, um, you know, kind of a a negative uh, response. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be at home with your children? To um, sort of a bemused, oh, this should be interesting, right? A a woman at at the table. And I used to think, this is so fantastic Like we are, you know, we're really going places and uh, women finally are going to, are getting to be in boardrooms. And, uh, and so there are moments when I, I think, wow, like, are we still fighting these battles? Like, are we still having to prove that women can be good leaders um, and make the case? And, and we're still, are we still being met with disapproval uh, that we're even trying to do this and that, uh, you know, or, or bemusement that we're, so, so there are those moments, but I quickly overcome them because I think, well, it, it's a huge social change and there's no social change that happens quickly, right? It all takes a long, long time. So I think the fact that 
Vice President Kamala Harris now is in a position to model, you know, uh, model this role, to legitimize this this role. Of course, you know, we should have women vice presidents and women presidents and women in the Senate. And we've had, I mean, we, a lot of our graduates, as you know, have gone that route. And um, we have, uh, we have uh, women senators and, uh, that have gone through our programs. Um, so, you know, I, I think... I think that we're sort of past the point where we have to justify it. And now I think that's one of our strengths as an organization because we have this network where you can see, you can reach out and see who these people are and contact these people because they're all part of your network now. And and they are all living proof and evidence that women can uh, do this. Uh, and I think even amongst the... Um, you know, even in the literature of this sort of standard bookstore kind of um, approach to leadership, all the books that are always out there, I, I often wonder, you know, you go into a bookstore and you see 20 new titles on leadership and you think, gosh, with all this leadership uh, material around, why is there still so many problems with our with our company? Like, why do, why do we still have <laughs> so many problems in leadership? I mean, we should have figured this out by now. But, um, but I think a lot of that uh, literature is indeed pointing to the fact that women, for different reasons, you know, for different reasons, because women and men are different, um, but for different reasons, are really well suited to the kinds of demands that are being placed on them in this environment. What we need is less, you know, dictatorial uh, kind of, let's fire the poorest performer, uh, let's get on with it, I don't care what the other, what's happening there, all we got to do is make a profit. I mean, there's, there's not to, not to, decry profitability because without it you can't do anything <laughs> um, but I think there, that it is true to say that that in these times we are really respecting much more the role of people who are collaborators and cooperators and work through other people and develop other people want to develop other people um, and women are good at that we know that women are good at that so um so I think it's excellent that she's in that role and because she can model it for the first time in history. Um, but, you know, it is encouraging. There's a video out and it's, it's uh, in our, the link to it is in our uh, newsletter uh, now that just came out today. Um, and I, it's a video that I'm sure lots of people will have seen by now. But I think it starts off and it says something like, um, while we were distracted... And then it shows you one after another, all these women leaders around the world. And it's kind of breathtaking. You think, wow, it's happening. It's finally happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this, you know, this never seemed to be an issue in my life growing up because I had such a strong mother as a role model. And she did have to step up and and be the breadwinner for our family because of my father's health issues. And she she just did what she needed to do. I do remember that she had to get my father's signature so she could get one of her licenses, and that would have been back probably in the 60s. And, uh, you know, and and so I, I just kind of took for granted that women were leaders, and I went into the sciences, which is typically, a, you know, a male-dominated field, and I've kind of been in a lot of male-dominated fields, as you have. Um, but now that I look back, it's like, Okay, I I I was lucky and fortunate to be in positions that I could take advantage of those, but I've certainly met attitudes and roadblocks along the way that I wouldn't have met if I was a guy. Absolutely. And, well, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the same thing happened to me in that I I was lucky enough to have a father that I was very close to who never questioned that I would have a career. And so I never questioned that I would have a career and, and what a plus that was. And so, so I grew up fully expecting that and trying to decide what I wanted to do. And, um, and that's, a, that's a big step forward that a lot of people that don't come from that kind of an environment don't necessarily have. If, they're, if the expectations coming from their family are not that they will have a career, then they've got to develop the self-awareness to say, but wait a minute is this cast in stone or, you know, can I affect this? Um, but so I think, I think though, that not only did we uh, face 
challenges that sometimes I found, I used to find amusing, right? But um, really, I suppose at some level, they weren't terribly amusing. They were, they were indicative of a, a more serious problem underneath. Um, but I, I think that it's important to, number one, remember that um, the facts at the moment, despite the number of women leaders there are, still tell us that women, for the most part, earn significantly less for doing exactly the same job as men. So that has not been fixed. And that we can really see playing out with COVID, you know, with the number of women that have been kind of forced to step back. I mean, for, for a lot of women, the major responsibility for childcare is still that of the woman, which is just not so in other parts of the world, right? When we did international, the international program in Scandinavia and realized that they have paternity leave programs in place, as well as maternity leave, where men are, they want to have that role. And I believe most men do want to have that role with their families, um, but they want it to be in a way that's not punitive. Well, so do women, <laughs> but they often don't get that choice. But we have to remind ourselves, there's a lot of ground that has to be uh, covered and, and uh, a lot of improvements that are still necessary in terms of, you know, how that responsibility breaks down, who bears that responsibility, who bears a bigger responsibility for parental care, elder care, and how much money are these people making relative to other professions in, in our society, and, and yet how critical these roles are, our educators. How well do we pay our educators? How well do we pay our, our frontline staff in hospitals? compared to where a lot of money is being made, you know? So I, I think these are good questions to be asking ourselves. We've still got a long way to go. And we will cover some of those, I'm sure, in some of our programming in Leadership America and Leadership Texas and we so will. forth. We well, Linda, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Uh, I, too, believe that women have a huge role to play. It's an, it's an unused resource, yeah. I think, uh, or underutilized resource for 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 our future, and I will say that, given that men have done most of the leadership in historical times, uh, and created a lot of messes, <laughs> that that may, maybe it's the women's job. I'm not saying it's our role to clean up messes, but historically, that's who we've you know had to be. Uh, there's a lot of messes that need cleaning up, and yeah. uh, I would encourage women to step up and 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 be the leaders in their communities. Don't wait for somebody to ask you to do it. No, that's uh, right. That's right. You no, know, I agree with that completely. Just pay us enough for doing it, and we'll clean up the mess. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else our listeners need to hear from you? Uh, no, I just think, you know, we are looking forward to uh, the day when we can all kind of resume uh, our our work because it's so important and because our women tell us how important it is. Um, obviously, we're not going to do that until it's safe to do so, but I just look forward to that and uh, both to seeing uh, the, our, our members and our women from earlier classes, but also our new ones that will be joining us between now and then. So appreciate it. Well, Linda, thank you again for being on my podcast. And thank you for listening to Annette on Education. <laughs>